This is Adam Cantor, chair of the AANS CNS Joint Section of the Spine and Peripheral Nerves. I am excited and honored to invite everyone listening to the Neurosurgery Podcast to join us at the new Modern 2023 Spine Summit, where we will celebrate our theme, Excellence Requires Change, with our MVPs, Mastery, Vision, and Purpose. And it's going to be in beautiful Miami Beach, Florida, March 16th to the 19th of 2023. It is going to be at the historic Fountain Blue Resort in Miami Beach. We know the scientific content is going to be amazing. It always is with fantastic speakers from across our field. But this year, we are changing the plenary format. We're throwing out the podiums. We're engaging our attendees with TED-style-like talks. We're hosting an array of visionary speakers in every session from some, uh, Sasha Strauss, a branding expert who's given one of the most watched TED Talks in history, and Michael Modic, Dr. Modic of the infamous Modic Changes, we've all seen on our MRIs. Well, he's going to provide us with insight on what they really mean. We have our new uh, Sports and Spine session sponsored by the NFL with players and consultants discussing the care of our elite athletes on and off the field. And I'm pumped to announce the launch of the new Todd Albert Scholar Awards, where the top 30 orthopedic resident and fellows We'll get $500 each to present at the meeting. This is similar to, to our Charlie Kuntz Scholars program that we've been supporting for years in neurosurgery uh, for our neurosurgery residents and fellows. We want our orthopedic brethren to join and be a part of this amazing meeting. And this is in addition to our APPs. We have a focused uh, course specifically made for them on Thursday afternoon, and all APPs are being offered free registration for the entirety of the meeting. And most exciting, we have an amazing slate of entertainment beyond the booth crawl and the beer and the wine debates. We're hosting a U2 tribute band named Elevation. They are awesome. They're currently touring in Europe, and they're going to put on a concert for us during the opening reception by the beach. Also, our industry partners are stepping up and taking part in our educational series that will truly elevate our synergy with one another. So take note, abstracts close December 1st in just a couple weeks. So get those abstracts in. The hotel room block will fill up quickly. It's already booking up, so register soon and get your housing early. I'm super excited. March 16th to the 19th, 2023. Come join us in Miami Beach. It is going to be a meeting like you've never seen before. This is the Neurosurgery Podcast. Welcome back to the Neurosurgery Podcast. Today, I am just delighted to be joined by Dr. Ali Baj. Dr. Baj uh, is a name that should be known to any student of spine surgery uh, for a reason we're going to be talking about in today's episode, the, the Handbook of Spine Surgery. Um, Dr. Baj has been a luminary in the field for a long time now and has really been a pillar of education, I think, for students of spine surgery, for the handbook, and for a number of other things that we're going to talk about today. Uh, I first had the pleasure of meeting Dr. Baj when he was at Cornell University, and I did a sub-eye there. But today, uh, Dr. Baj has been kind enough to uh, give us some time to talk about the various hats he's worn and the various roles he's taken in education surrounding spine surgery. Uh, Dr. Baj, welcome to the show. Hi, JP. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Great. So, you know, we were talking before starting this, uh, starting the interview formally about how kind of your career charted over time and how you've had these various influences on spine education along the way. So you, you started your medical training at Boston University for medical school, and then you wound up in neurosurgery residency at the University of South Florida, USF in Tampa. Now, a, a couple months ago in episode 101 for our listeners, we actually had Dr. Greenberg on talking about the 
conception and development of the handbook of neurosurgery, which everyone in the field obviously is familiar with. And we were just talking before the show started, Dr. Bajov, when you were in training there, working with Dr. Greenberg, how the idea first developed for the handbook of spine surgery. So maybe for our listeners, could you talk with us a bit about what life was like as a resident back then, what was going through your mind and, and how this idea was first conceived? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and thank you for bringing that up. Obviously, the, the handbook of spine surgery is, uh, is very special to me. It's uh, probably, you know, one of the first major projects that I, that I tackled and, and, and really wanted to see come to fruition. And I'm really excited that it has picked up and it is where it is today. And, uh, you know, just as an aside, we're actively working on the third edition. And, and as you and many of the listeners know, in, in neurosurgery and in spine surgery, very, very few books make it beyond the first edition uh, right. because of just the incredible amount of time and work that's, uh, that's needed to, to do those. So we're very excited about the project. And uh, yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, I was just very fortunate to be part of a phenomenal training program with excellent mentors. And of course, having somebody like Dr. Greenberg be, uh, be on faculty and, and, and knowing and seeing, you know, all that he does. Um, and really, it was just an idea during research year. And uh, this is a little plug for the programs who have dedicated research years where you really um, inspire your residents to, uh, to, to be creative, to think about new ideas and new projects. And for me, it was during my research year where uh, I thought, you know, uh, we, we certainly have an amazing handbook of, you know, for neurosurgery. Why don't we have a handbook dedicated to spine surgery? It's certainly a, a field that encompasses neurosurgery and orthopedics. And uh, it's not a separate specialty or, or a field per se, but it's certainly a, um, an area that warrants uh, its own uh, educational material and, 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 and uh, scientific material, if you will. So that's how the idea came about um, when I was uh, in research year. And, and I said, hey, let's put together this book. And the funny thing is, is when I approached Dr. Greenberg, of course, I had to come to him, right? Because he's the like the godfather of these handbooks. Right. And uh, and I still remember his his first response was, uh, you know, he was very gracious, of course. And 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 he said, listen, Ali, if I can tell you the number of times people have approached me about writing handbooks for I don't know what handbook of shunts, handbook of aneurysms, handbook of everything. He's like, Ali, these ideas just, you know, they sound great, but it's really, really hard to get them, you know, into an actual book. And, uh, and I said, listen, Dr. Greenberg, we're going to do it. I promise you we're going to do it. Let's just, you know, bear with me here. Let's put together the plan. Um, and, and honestly, he was, he was very supportive, obviously. And he said, okay, fine. If, if you want to put it together and, and think you, you, you can do that, that's fine with me. I'm happy to be involved. Um, and, and then honestly, just uh, a, a set of circumstances and just, you know, being at the right place at the, at the right time, um, certainly from Tampa, I got his support. I got, of course, my other uh, mentor and, and that, at that point, early faculty, Dr. Uribe. And then I said, you know, if we're going to do this, uh, and, and as you know, I'm into collaborating. I love doing projects with other people. I think, you know, we're, we're stronger when, when we have more people working. Uh, as opposed to an individual project, I said, let me reach out to a few other people from other programs 
And that way, this really can be a diverse, uh, well-rounded, comprehensive text. Uh, and I reached out, incidentally, speaking of Boston University, I reached out to Dr. Praveen Mumaneni at UCSF, who not only is a BU medical uh, graduate, but also uh, somebody that at that time, when I was a resident, uh, you know, I really looked up to him. Uh, he was doing a lot of teaching, a lot of educational workshops. He was, of course, part of the spine section, and, and we all know how, how uh, impactful he, he has been and continues to be. For, for young neurosurgeons. I reached out to him and I still have that email. He emailed back and said, I think it's a great idea, let's do it. Um, and then we talked to the publisher and of course they said, this is a great idea. Let's, you know, let's also get uh, other colleagues on board. Let's get orthopedics on board. And, and then that's when we looked in uh, Dr. Alex Vaccaro, who of course is also a giant in the field of spine surgery and education uh, from the Rothman Institute. And, uh, and that really was the genesis of it. It was, uh, we started the idea when I was a PGY-5 and the book was published, I think two and a half years later when I was just starting fellowship uh, at Johns Hopkins. Uh, and it's been just a really beautiful and, and great project ever since. Yeah, I, I love that you, you mentioned that you still have that email because I'm also someone who will send blind, cold emails to people if I see a lecture I like on YouTube or if I read a paper, I'll just send a short note and say, wow, I, I really was impressed by this. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. And it always means a lot when I hear back from people as well. So that 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 really made me smile to hear that you you saved an email like that. Um, it, it is interesting to me. And, and I guess while we're talking about the handbook, as, as I as we know, most of our listeners in the audience for the show are in the field, are, are neurosurgeons or our residents. But there are some people who listen to the show that we hear from constantly who are in uh, medical school, are pre-meds in college. And so I'll just do a, a minor plug for the book. Um, this is one of the most efficient references I've found. I, I always tell people when they're just getting started, read humans the night before. But if you're walking into the room to do a case, open up the handbook on your phone and, and flip through it in the PDF. And it's very just concise and exactly what you need to know in the moment. So I think it's a perfect resource in that way. Um, we'll of course we'll link to the book in, in the in the show notes for this episode. But it, it, it's it's more easily facilitated for the conversation I think to talk about the development of the book because I assume this is a reference like humans like the handbook. Everyone should know what we're talking about here. But I. I am also very interested, as you talk about the development of this book, Dr. Baj, that, as you said, this is very much a collaboration. And as, as we'll cover in, in the majority of this conversation, I feel like a lot of the work you've done in the education space for spine surgery has been collaborative and organizing a group. As you said, you, you love collaboration. And, and this book, the handbook, it's obviously a multi-author work. It's not like the seven series from Dr. Lawton or the MIS primer from Dr. Lou Toomey Allen, which are excellent works, which I also love, but this is a, a multi-author book. And so I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what that process is like, because I, I know personally just trying to set a meeting with three neurosurgeons can be like herding cats. So trying to get uh, this many uh, neurosurgeons and spine surgeons to all generate chapters and bring them together under such a cohesive and coherent uh setting and structure as the handbook is, I imagine that had to have been a huge task. 
Yeah, uh, JP, first of all, thank you for that, uh, for those nice comments and, and nice words uh, on the book. And, and I think you're absolutely right. The, the goal of that, was, was of that uh, handbook was not to redo, you know, Dr. Benzel's amazing book on, on spine surgery or, or, or Dr. Kim's or, or others who have phenomenal, you know, large textbooks on, on spine. Just like you said, it was the goal is, you know, if the resident or, or junior faculty or fellow needed to, you know, a one or two page bullet style, uh, you know, chapter on how to do an ALIF or posterior C1, C2 or OC right. fusion, uh, you know, you read that, that, you know, page, page and a half and, and just as a quick re refresher. So um, and I it's think even that's him questions at the end. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's exactly right. And we wanted two or three, you know, very pertinent board style questions. It, so the goal of it is really to to embody the true definition of, of what a handbook should look like and not to, you know, in, not not to make it another large scale textbook. And I'm really excited that I think we achieved our goal. Uh, you know, spine is a very quickly and rapidly evolving field. So, you know, in the second edition, we added new chapters on minimally invasive navigation, et cetera. Now with the third edition, you know, here's a sneak preview. The new with the third edition, we're, we have new chapters on endoscopy and robotics, um, and and I think that's what's important about these these types of texts is that they're nimble, they provide updated information, and they remain relevant and pertinent for for the reader. So we're very very excited about it. Uh, getting back to your point, uh, you know, as far as the collaboration. Uh, you're right. There are phenomenal neurosurgeons out there and spine surgeons. Of course, Dr. Greenberg being one of them who, who can do a, a, an entire handbook by himself. Um, and and I, I just think I'm not that good, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't think I can do all of that by myself. Um, so that's on the one hand. But on the other hand, um, you know, I mean, what's better? What could possibly be better than bringing in the diverse technical, clinical, educational, academic backgrounds of other folks and put that all together and, and provide and produce a, 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 a manuscript or a publication or a paper or a project. I think it's the, the value of that material is exponentially better when you have, uh, you know, several people or, or more than that involved in a project. And that's really been my uh my philosophy in virtually all the things that i do and i know we're going to talk about virtual spine later but i right. do feel and you know it's just it's just a philosophy i think some people embrace that and 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 other people don't uh, which is fine i just think boy i mean i know a bunch of people they're all really good they're all really smart why don't i have them you know why don't i work with them and put together a project that that's going to be way better than if i just did it by myself um uh, but, you know, the key, JP, is really, it's not just to, you know, call 60 people and help you, you know, write the handbook of spine surgery. It's to methodically and thoroughly research people, find out who's really an educator, who's really a teacher, who's got a, you know, um, who has a documented track record of teaching and, and educating and delivering, right? Because we're all busy. Everybody's very busy with surgeries and families and everything else. So, you know, you can quickly find out, okay, who's, who's really in this and who's going to deliver and, and who's, who's not going to. And I've just been very fortunate, uh, again, just to collaborate with some phenomenal educators and phenomenal surgeons and, 
and they've made me better and they've made our work that we've produced together better. Yeah. And, you know, thinking about, as you said, having that humility to, to recognize I can't write this handbook myself, particularly when you're in the middle of residency, right? You're not even finished with training. Um, that That's a great time to have an excuse to reach out to 50 or 60 experts and say, hey, I, I would love if you write a chapter for this book. But but also as a trainee, you can say to yourself, I'd really like to see how so-and-so surgeon does XYZ procedures. So I, I kind of have a similar experience. We were talking before we started recording. I have this similar experience where through the venue of this podcast, I have an excuse to reach out to all sorts of authorities in the field and people I'm just curious to talk to. And so I imagine having that vehicle of putting together the handbook was a great experience in the mid-level of residency to, to have a reason to reach out to all these experts and just ask, how do you do this? Um, I, I also really appreciate that you gave us that teaser for what's to come in the third edition because I was going to ask you, so thanks for offering that yourself. Um, but, but you brought it up yourself, so I think it's a good time for us to pivot to the other, I think, major topic we have to cover today, which is those, the virtual spine conferences. So um, as you said, during your research here at University of South Florida, you conceived the idea of this handbook. It comes out a year or so after you finish training. And we were talking before the show, after training, uh, you completed a fellowship at Hopkins, did some time at the University of Arizona, wound up at Cornell. Now you're back at Arizona. But as we all know, in 2019, the COVID pandemic struck and largely shut things down, shut down many hospitals, shut down clinical practice, and significantly shut down a lot of in-person meetings, both uh, within hospitals for academics, but also our major national and international conferences. And so where many saw a crisis and a catastrophe, others saw opportunities for betterment. And uh, Dr. Baj, during that time, you established the virtual spine conferences. Uh, for any of our listeners who never participated in those or haven't heard of them, maybe you could tell us a little bit about what the goals of the virtual spine conferences are, um, how you conceived of this idea and, and how you brought this to fruition. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, th thanks. Thanks for mentioning that uh, about for the, the virtual uh, global spine conference. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the, the ironic thing is I think it's like literally 10 years to the date. Right. So 10 years ago, we, we, we put together that handbook of spine surgery. And then here we are 10 years later with what I consider a mega project, which I'm really, really excited about. Okay. And, uh, and and really, sometimes you just, uh, you know, it's just a product of the circumstances. And, and, and like you, you, you so eloquently stated, uh, the, the, the terrible and awful pandemic really was very challenging for a lot of folks and, and a lot of people. But uh, I think some of us found an, an opportunity in it, certainly an educational opportunity. And, and the way that started is, is, you know, literally... I think it was March 25th, uh, March 25th, 2020, where, you know, I was I was in New York City in Manhattan and, uh, you know, New York was one of the first places in, in this in, in the U.S. to really, really shut down. And and, yeah. and we were like, well, you know, w what do we do? You know, we're, we're used to going to conference twice or three times a week. We're you know, we're used to operating. We're, we're used to just having that scientific exchange and, and talking about cases and education and. Um, that's probably right around the t same time it both myself and a lot of people started ramping up their social media right i mean what else were we doing 
So I was like, hey, let me put let me put a tweet out and, and say, uh, hey, what do you you know, I guess I had a few people in mind and, and, and I'll talk about them because they're so important to the project. Uh, I said, hey, here's some people who are who are really they seem to be putting good cases online. They seem to be, you know, really good educators. So I, I kind of tagged them and put out a tweet and said, hey, who wants to do a spy, you know, like a virtual spine conference? We certainly can't do it in person anymore for the time being. Uh, why don't we just kind of do it online or something? And honestly, that's all it was. It was maybe like 10 of us or 20 of us to get together and do it. And uh, and, and here I, I do have to say, I mean, I have to go back to what I said before, which is it's not just a haphazard like, hey, let's kind of all get together. You really have to identify key people who, who share that that passion for, for, the, for what you're trying to do. And I think at that time I had tagged a, a bunch of folks who I knew were, were phenomenal educators. Uh, it was uh, D- Dr. Uh, uh, Rasuli, he was at the Cleveland Clinic at that time, Dr. Griffin Baum, for, right next door where I was working at Lenox Hill, Dr. of course, my good friend, Dr. Shin from MGH, Dr. Than from Duke, uh, Wendy Gibbs, who was our uh, neuroradiologist um, uh, at that time, she was with Mayo. And I think it was just those four or five people. And I'm like, hey, let's kind of get together and do this. Um, and then uh, before you know it, it just kind of snowballed. And, and all of a sudden I was getting messages left and right. You, you know, we want to join. We want to do this. Can we can we contribute? Can we be part of it? Um, and just to kind of mention the funny story that a lot of people know now, I said, wow, this is turning out to be a pretty, pretty nice thing. And uh, I have to give gre- uh, credit, a lot of credit to my former chairman, Dr. Phil Stieg at Cornell and, and, uh, and his team and, and his marketing folks there because they're like, wow, this is a great idea, you know? So, and they supported it, you know, exceptionally well uh, logistically with the website and, and the emails. So I really owe them a lot uh, because without their support, we, we would not have gone off the ground. But basically we said, hey, this is a great idea, let's do it. And then all, all of a sudden we had like three, 400 people sign up for the first conference. And we're like, wow, this is getting to be a pretty major thing. And I, I, you may know this story, JP, but you know, we, 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 we open up our, our first zoom, um, our first zoom virtual global spine conference. And, and literally that was the first time I had ever used zoom. Right. And like a lot of people back in, back in 2020, um, and, and here we are, and, our, and I think one of our first speakers was uh, Dr. Elowitz, who was one of our partners back at Cornell. And literally 10 minutes into his talk, we start seeing, you know, Asian porn and, and you know, just vulgar stuff on the screen. And we're like, oh, my God, we just got Zoom bombed. And uh, we had to shut it down quickly and close the, close the session. And then... Uh, and then we, you know, I guess 20 minutes later, we were able to open it up again. But that was literally the very first uh, virtual global spine uh, uh, session was where we got Zoom bombed with with uh, with uh, profanities and, and vulgar material. That's spine uh, surgery, right? Yeah, yeah, there you go. And I was like, are you kidding me? Is this really how this is going to work? Um, and, you know, it's funny because that taught me a lot of things. Number one. Uh, the group at that time, w- what we call the, the faculty or the hosts, and again, I, I just mentioned them, uh, uh, Griffin, Wendy, John, uh, Coy, and, 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 and the other John, John Shin, you know, we all hung in there. And they're like, no, this is a good idea. Let's do it. Let's find out what happened. How do we get it better? Is it an IT issue? Is it a password issue? Um, and we're like, yeah, let's figure it out and, and do it again. 
Um, and literally here we are, I think about two and a half years later, we're not three years yet, two and a half years later, it still runs every single week, I guess minus Thanksgiving and, and the holidays, but uh, it still runs every week. We've had hundreds of uh, guests. We have over uh, you know, 150 YouTube videos, about 2000 subscribers. And it's just been one of the really most gratifying projects we've done. Um, and really the, the, the reason it's so gratifying, it's because, and I put this a lot on social media, it's like wherever I go, um, whether it's the CNS or, or other conferences or, or sometimes just random people really sending me a message on Twitter or LinkedIn, like, you know, you guys can't believe how this is helping us. Thank you so much. And they're from all over the world or different parts of the world where they would otherwise really not have the resources or access to these uh, educators and speakers and guests and, and the spine content that, that we're delivering. So um, it's been a lot of fun and, uh, you know, it's we'll see what happens in the future and which direction we take. But again, it go it really all boils down to two or three simple things: um, an idea, uh, the right timing, and most importantly, the right group of people who work together to 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 make it happen. Because they value it, they value education, they value the message that they want to get out to people, and and they care about that. Um, so I, I, again. I, I, yes, did I start the idea? Sure I did, but it's it, the only reason we're here is because of the, the group that I work with and, and, and the amazing audience and people from all over the world who, who support us. You know, it's something I observe so frequently, but um, good, great leaders and, and, and good managers and organizers, um, when talking about good outcomes or uh, a well-executed project, always point to the people around them. Um, so it's really gratifying to hear you give credit to your colleagues with that. I will say compulsively, um, be, because Dr. Stieg is on the list of people that I remember and uh, will always respect, he was a guest on the show as well very early on in our, our first season. And he's got a great podcast of his own called This Is Your Brain, which is more patient-focused than than ours, which is kind of for those of us in neurosurgery. But I will never forget the month I spent there with you and and with Dr. Stieg working closely with him. He was just such a wonderful person to work with for that month. Um, but Dr. Baj, I, I do think it's really a, a point well made about what a resource uh, things like the Virtual Global Spine Conference is for trainees and not just during the pandemic. That's what I think has been one of the most beneficial and profound changes as someone in training before, during, and after the pandemic is that resources like this, resources, again, like listing textbooks, I'll name a few, but there's so many of them that we all consume. The Seattle Science videos, the Miami Symposia, the Virtual Global Spine Conferences, all of these have such a different character, a different flavor, and a different focus. But to someone who's in training even now that we can go back to conferences and we have our in-person education, the fact that I can log on to the internet and see what people outside of my own department think about this topic or how they do this surgery. And then I, I can go to my own attendings and say, I saw this really interesting video where Dr. Baj does this little maneuver or thought about what, what do you think about that? And we can kind of pool ideas in a much more frequent and much more in-depth way then before there was all this virtual education available where maybe I would go to a course and bring an idea back, or maybe I would go to fellowship and then call my residency uh, 
back and say, oh, did, did you ever think about trying this? Now these ideas are just out there moving with so much more fluidity. So from, you know, yet another trainee writing to you who, who consumes these educational materials, uh, whether or not we're in a pandemic and a lockdown, I think that this has been a profound change for the better in getting these things out there permanently recorded and available to us, even now that we can travel again. Um, but I, I do want to respect your time, Dr. Bosch. So as we bring this to a close, you, you interestingly pointed out that it was almost 10 years to the day between the handbook and now the establishment of the virtual global spine conferences. So I wonder, looking forward where you are now in your career, 10 years from now, do you have any sense of wh what, what's the next step for you? What, what is the next gift you can give to the students of spine surgery? Yeah, yeah well, well, I appreciate JP. I mean, boy, I guess we'll find out in eight years about that. Um, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think, I think honestly, like you, you, like again, you just said it so very nicely about about the opportunities that have that have come up, and and just being able to take uh, convert a challenge into an opportunity, right? And, and I think really what things like the virtual spine did for us is, you, you, and what it continues to do is, it, what I call it, it. it you know, you have to burst your egotistical bubble, right? We, we, we all think mm. we work in a bubble. We all think like, this is how we do it. This is the right way. And then all of a sudden you get on Zoom and you get on these virtual conferences and, and, and you see what the folks in Miami doing and Rush and others. And, and all of a sudden we're all so interconnected and we have direct access. And, and, and basically we're right there almost in some cases in the OR of somebody else and seeing how they do it and seeing the good results that they do it. And it makes you wonder about about yourself and like, oh, I, I thought I knew it all or I thought I knew how to do this. And and I think that's what things like uh, that's what uh, I think the virtual education and these platforms that have interconnected folks uh, primarily with, with, of course, the pandemic as a catalyst. Um, I think that's that's why this is so exciting. And uh, and I'll be honest with you, I think it's too early to see what the what that what that next next project will be, but but I do know it's going to have the three same themes. I really do. Number one, it has to be a it, basically it has to be a transformative and innovative idea. That's number one. And number two, the timing has to be right. You know what I mean? The timing has to be right because if you take a look at something like Virtual Spine, if we had launched it ten years ago, people would be like, you know, I, I don't have a you know I don't have an iPhone. It's hard to get into the internet. Um, I don't have time for this, but you know, the, ironically, the shutdown with the pandemic was a was a, a, a catalyst for for the virtual spine. So it has to be an innovative and transformative idea. The timing has to be right so that the audience can embrace that idea. And number three, I don't know what the project will be, but I guarantee you it will be a a, a collaboration with some outstanding surgeons, outstanding clinicians, and educators who are going to do this all together. Because in, I fully embrace that philosophy. That's how you get the best product out there when you have a lot of minds working together. So I can't tell you what it's going to be, but it's going to have those three elements in it. Well, with, with those three elements, it, it can only be a success. Uh, Dr. Baj, I was a fan and a reader of the handbook before my sub I at Cornell. I enjoyed working with you for that month. And then with all this talk of virtual education and the, and the shutdowns, it was a real pleasure to run into you in person at the recent CNS meeting in San Francisco this past year. And that interaction le led to this very conversation. So it was great to see you face to face again. 
at a meeting. And I am truly grateful for your time coming on the show today and talking about your career progress and these wonderful landmarks of education and spine surgery that you've brought to myself and everyone else learning the craft. So Dr. Ali Baj, thank you for coming on the Neurosurgery Podcast. Thank you. Thank you, JP. And, and uh, best uh, best luck with, the, with, uh, with this program. And of course, your training. And I'm very excited to, uh, to call you a colleague and appear here very soon. Disclaimer time. The opinions and ideas expressed in this show are solely those of myself, Dr. Wang, and our guests. They do not represent the opinions of any professional institution or organization. This show is for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute the giving of medical or legal advice. Listening to or participating in this show does not constitute continuing medical education or any other professional certification. It's just a show, everybody.